Welcome to our Young Adult Ooh. Tuesday Night Talk Back. Tuesday Talk Back time. Oh, we have Singing Katie over there. We have Woo Will mm-hmm. nursing a new tattoo on his left forearm. I love true. it. I this love is it. True. Hope hope you tell your parents before they hear this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You didn't know. Now you know. Let's get the show rolling, guys. Okay, here we go. <laughs> You gotta edit that out. We had a no. We're keeping that. <laughs> no, that'll be it. That'll be in there. <laughs> hey, we had an awesome <laughs> night of worship last night, and mm. we did a little sermonette to keep us moving through the book of Revelation, and uh, and the sermonette was on Revelation twelve, and I think it fit the worship night so well because the worship night was this culmination of walking through the gospel. Will you planned it out so well, Katie? You helped ask a bunch of people to be a part of this, and it was gr- such a great mm. crew. Um, but I tell you, you walk through the gospel and it makes you so thankful that you have been saved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, Amen. and if you really reflect on it, we've been saved from some terrible things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've been delivered and we've been given to much greater. We've been given to Jesus, but we've been saved from some terrible things. And this whole book so far has been about the beauty and the power and the awesomeness of God. Mm-hmm. But chapter 12 is fascinating. It is the devil 101. Mm-hmm. The devil 101. Like, okay, before we even get into the chapter, why do you think in the dead center of the book of Revelation, the picture of the coming king, why would we get this lesson on the devil and his plans? Well, I, I'm reading through Isaiah right now, and it's actually. Like Isaiah is a very helpful touchstone for reading Revelation, which yeah. I feel like I kind of said in the last like podcast that we did about this. Yes, but you you kind of because you know Revelation kind of touches on things that have already happened, things that are kind of happening now, and things that are yet to happen. Yeah, and the good thing about Isaiah is that it's mainly just talking about stuff that's already happened, and so like. You, it's kind of helpful for understanding like how, you know, if, if like, okay, that's how I was talking about all this stuff that's played out. I see how it's played out. Now I can like look at this and interpret it accordingly. And um, what what's interesting is, you know, so the beginning of Isaiah, there's kind of like this indictment and then there's like little like Isaiah nine, there's kind of that famous like one of the first famous messianic promises that's right but then the middle of the book actually like when you get into the teens and 20s and stuff is actually it talks about this day of the lord which is like this day of darkness and terror and there's pronounced pronouncements of judgment on moab and egypt and israel and you know everybody yeah and so that's kind of like this typical prophetic um style is you you start out with these sort of overarching moments, but then like sort of in the dead middle is where actually like a lot of the, the battle is packed and like a lot of the meat is packed and then the resolution and you know, yeah. Conclusion is towards the end. And so just kind of like looking at that, um, I think that is partially, you know, I, I think that has to do with why this, passage about the woman and the dragon and Satan and um, this war on earth kind of comes after so much of the stage has been set is, you know, I think there's something about that literary structure there. 
I do think there's a lot of literary structure involved. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle of the book, the villain shows up, if you will. If mm-hmm. this was a, a novel we were reading and exactly. we're going to learn about him. We saw the triumphant God in the beginning. Yeah. We're going to see the triumphant God at the yeah. end, but we're going to see the, the villain in the middle. Yeah. It's almost like in, like I'm kind of thinking about the dark Knight. you know, like you have the like scary bank robbing scene where it's like all these guys in like clown masks. And yeah. then like, there's this epic reveal of Heath Ledger's Joker like after that. And a lot of times like in movies, you know, there's like, you kind of see like a lot of the conflict and a lot of like little bad guys. And and then like the bad guy is revealed like midway through and it's like the beginning of the end, you know? And so that's kind of like what comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. I hadn't thought about it like that before. You haven't thought about Revelation in terms of <laughs> in the dark night. In terms of Heath Ledger. Come on. That's a new one for me. I can't well, yeah. be the only. And that, that, I think that's a really good parallel. And I think it's I think it's perfectly acceptable to take something you're familiar with, a secular source you're familiar with, and say, how do I, how, how can I help give myself some handles to pick this book up with? Mm-hmm. And that is helpful. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see this battle is going to go all the way to the late teens of the book and then it's going to be over. But we're seeing the guy that's that yeah. God is battling and that's after us. Yeah. So let me just start. I'll read and then let's talk through it. Uh, it says, chapter 12, verse 1, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun. The moon is under her feet. On her head is a crown of 12 stars, and she's pregnant. She's crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And then we're going to pause because he's going to see another sign. So let me just Mm -hmm. point out a couple of things that I want to hear your thoughts. So the, this is going to be the first of seven signs in the book of revelation. So it's a complete number of signs. That's what seven means. It's complete. Mm -hmm. And when it's ascribed to God or God ascribes it to something he's done, it's perfect. So he's got, so there's going to be a complete perfect number of signs, but also the word sign means symbol. And a symbol is something that represents reality. So this is going to be a sign of a reality, not just some figurative thing. It's a sign of a reality, but it's not just a sign. What John sees here is mega. The word great is mega. So he sees a mega symbol. So Mm -hmm. all of a sudden he's like at Fernbank and he's sitting down Mm -hmm. and like the whole screen all the way around him, 50 feet up on the wall and, Mm -hmm. you know, 60 feet on each side of him is lit up and he's seeing this huge, huge revelation of this woman. The mm. woman's going to be Israel because that's God's chosen people. The, the, the moon underneath represents the calendar that God organized all the people in, um, and the holidays and the feasts and the Sabbaths, and also the 12, uh, stars on the crown. Those are going to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. So we have God's chosen people. We have this whole backstory of God's chosen people mm-hmm. and what happens? Well, Jesus is the seed of Abraham. He's the offspring of Abraham. And here we are. It culminates with, obviously, this woman. Finally, the one who gives birth is Mary. So we have the chosen people. We have Mary. We have this birth. And so the birth is going to be of Jesus. This woman's clothed in the sun, clearly protected by God, a shining symbol of God's hope and provision. And that's the first great sign. What do you think? I thought this was fascinating and a really helpful explanation to think about Israel as the woman, because I think if we just read this, it can seem really bizarre or immediately you just think of Mary. But I think to 
the original readers of this, it would have been very familiar. Um, yep. When you just think about, you know, some of the Old Testament, there's Isaiah um, 26 talks about Jerusalem and Israel. And um, verse 17 is describing Israel like a pregnant woman who rises and cries in pain um, in her pangs when she's near to giving birth. So we were because of you, O Lord. Um, and then similarly in Isaiah 66, it's just a very similar picture of Israel as this woman who's about to give birth. So I think to me reading it, you're kind of like, what is going on? But to these readers, that probably would have been a more familiar picture that had been painted in the past. Yeah. You know, just like a quick note sort of on those signs, because it can sound like very abstract or like we're jumping to conclusions. But, you know, like just on the note that this is like a real book and like a real letter written to real people and like mm -hmm. actual culture, like the one that we live in. I think a lot of these signs are very similar like if you think about it in our terms today, like if I told you a story and there was one guy riding a bald eagle with a Confederate flag on his back, that has like a very specific, you know, you know, like exactly what that means. That's right. Or like if I told you like there was a, a person with like a donkey pinned to their coat or a elephant you, you know like we yes. have these these things that sound yeah, like really ridiculously good. obscure but then like in our context we're like oh yeah that type of person mm -hmm. you, you know and sure. and, and so it, it's kind of helpful for me like thinking about like the moon thing for example like there are things that might seem kind of like a stretch but you know like there's so many signs that we're surrounded with where we like know so much backstory just based off of a thing oh yeah, yeah and the messianic believers and the the gentile believers they would hear this and they'd be like oh so you're talking about israel and clearly mary who is in the line of israel she gave birth to jesus so you're talking about so what john saw was like a picture of yeah he really saw a picture of history yeah mm -hmm. he saw the a picture of, of god preserving a people yeah delivering a people giving a people a promise of hope to the culmination of the birth of Messiah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's what he saw in one. Yeah. So it is a great sign. That is a big picture that he saw. Yeah. But then verse three. I'm sorry, verse two. That's only one verse. <laughs> verse two. And another sign. So here's another symbol of a reality. It appeared in heaven. Behold, a great. So here's this is whatever he's about to see is mega. And so what does he see? He sees this mega red dragon. And the dragon has seven heads. 10 horns and on his head, seven diadems or crowns. This dragon verse four, his tail sweeps down a third of the stars of heaven, cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who's about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour that child. Mm. What? Okay. Spell it, spell it out for us. We got a bunch of stuff in here. We got the number seven. We got horns. We got crowns. We got a great red dragon. What? Tell us, tell us about it. Mm. I mean, obviously, like, I think there's the, there's like the historical implication of when Christ was born, Herod sought yeah. to kill him. Matthew 2. That's right. Yeah, Matthew 2, which is also resonant with when Moses was born, you know, like he was. Pharaoh was going to kill him. Yeah. Pharaoh was seeking to kill all the firstborn sons, or the just sons of Israel. And so, yeah, there's. Um, so in some sense, I think there's like a stylized rendering of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think also 
you know, we mentioned that his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And Thomas, you mentioned this last night, but that's another kind of symbol that you can unlock of, okay, he's the fallen star. Those are referring to, you know, demonic hosts with him. Because at least to me, when I first read that, you're like, okay, sweeping down the stars. But then like Will said, Mm -hmm. that has a clear, you know, symbolic meaning as well. Should we go ahead and just jump over to verse nine real quick? Yeah. Let's just read. One of y'all have it. Read read verse nine because like there's so much mystery for us, you know, in 2022 reading this. And if you're like before, before we go making up any wild tales about who this is and what's happening, just read, read verse nine. Jumping forward. And the great dragon was thrown down that ancient serpent who's called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Okay. So whew. he unlocked. Thank, thank yeah. the Lord that, that he told John that. Cause like you really could kind of run a wild rabbit trail with this one. Mm-hmm. So we know this is Satan. What do you make of the number seven? We talked about it a little bit last night. What do you make of the number seven being ascribed to Satan? I mean, I think what you were saying last night is pretty dead on of, you know, the number seven definitely, it, it means like it is associated with like holiness, but I think a, a probably better summation of what seven symbolizes is completion mm-hmm. or wholeness. Mm-hmm. And so, um, here it is, it basically encapsulates that this is the complete this is the wholeness of, of evil. He's, he, as you said last night, he's perfectly evil. And, um, yeah. And so like there, it's basically like the fulfillment of, of sin and, and unrighteousness in personified in this, this serpent. And I also find it interesting, like the great dragon was thrown down that ancient serpent who's called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. I think mm-hmm. it, he is very clearly tying this to the Garden of Eden. Sure. Yeah. That ancient serpent. Like that phrase to me is like, mm-hmm. in my mind, John is just like pointing straight into Genesis 3. Yeah. And saying yeah. like that serpent, that ancient serpent. Um, yeah. I feel like Thomas always says, you can just point back to the garden throughout all of scripture. If you just look back to the very, very beginning of Genesis, you're going to find a tie there. I think we see that so clearly totally. in that phrase. Totally. Yeah. Heather and I talk about that all the time. Um, and I feel like sometimes you girls have like better Bible studies than us guys. And we just don't <laughs> read them because they're like written by a lady. And it's like, they have like a, like a frilly cover on them, mm. but she's done multiple That's Bible funny. studies where like the, the, the woman writing, it always takes people back to the garden. And I kind of thought it might be like overstated a little bit, but mm. it is not. Yeah. It yeah. can't be overstated. It, we continue to go back to the fall and then yeah. ever since then the redemption and what's God doing? He's taking us taking back, us back. to an Eden. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what he's Perfect doing. Shalom. Um, and we see here, like we, we see so clearly, okay, this chapter is now introducing us to the villain. Yeah. We're seeing this guy. Mm-hmm. We know God brought his people through and spared them. And we know God sent Jesus, but we haven't gotten this backstory yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're really seeing the backstory, and we're going to get into as we get further in the chapters. We won't go into it today, but these um, these ten horns and these seven crowns, we're going to see that 
Satan really is the king of this earth right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's been he's been the king yeah. for a long time. You think all the way back to the Tower of Babel. You think those folks came up on their own like, hey, we ought to build a tower and show God who's boss. That is Satan. Yeah. Satan's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to show God who's boss. Yeah. He was leading them. Yeah. You know, this is like for the rest of the, this is just some sermon advice on. Yes, sir. I'm ready. Well, I'm taking notes right now. Air right now. But <laughs> I do think dramas. the horn thing, horns are like a symbol used throughout scripture. And I'm kind of saying this because yeah. like, I really don't understand it that well, but it's a very well used or often used um, symbol in the Old Testament. You know, like talking about like in you, my horn is exalted. Yep. And I think like that of all the symbols in the Bible that might translate the least to our, our lives nowadays, like, yeah, you know, never in day-to-day life have I thought like, wow, my horn is exalted right now. And, and Mm -hmm. then, you know, these 10 horns, like I, I, it's also a major symbol here in revelation. So I appreciate that. I I received that and we will go into it. We'll get into what what that looks like. Not here. Yeah. And Not with no. with so many things in life, you can take something that should be that is neutral and make mm-hmm. it good or bad. No, the word consequences. Mm-hmm. Consequences is a neutral word. We mm-hmm. typically ascribe to it something negative, mm-hmm. but man, you hit a home run in baseball. Well, the consequences are you get celebrated. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, and so like horns are also a neutral thing. In this case, they're going to be obviously for bad he's going to use them for bad so let's let's keep plowing on here he's Thomas I had a thought on verse nine let's, let's pause for a second let's not plow ahead <laughs> I was about to say I'm so sorry yeah but go, I had a thought I had a thought on verse nine when it calls the enemy the deceiver mm. of the whole world I feel like that word really jumped off the page to me and almost more in a practical way just in a lot of conversations that I've had you know you just think about when Jesus is talking about Satan and he calls him the father of lies. Yeah. And in Johnny, he says um, he was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. I think we're so clearly seeing here in revelation 12, Satan as the deceiver and you can kind of pause and think what lies have I been believing? And that is from the enemy. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is when we're in our heads and we're not bringing things to the light because even like we were talking about in godly counsel, there's wisdom and, you know, people can call out maybe some thoughts that you're having that are not true. And they can say, no, that's absolutely false. You are, you know, beloved by the Lord. You are you know, saved and nothing can snatch you out of his hand. Like you can just bring things to the light and those lies that the enemy is putting in your head will lose their power. But I just thought of that as more of like a practical takeaway here from him being the deceiver. And how are you actually asking those questions of the lies we might be believing? I think that's so good. God always brings clarity and Satan always brings Mm -hmm. confusion. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Go back to the garden. God was very clear. Satan brought confusion. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry if you heard that call. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I I think that's so good. And when there's confusion in my life, I ask the Lord for clarity, and that's what He does. He gives us clarity. Mm-hmm. So um, while I get this tickle out of my throat, Will, why don't you read us um, 
verses five and six. Yes, sir. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Okay, so Satan was not able to kill this child. Mm -hmm. She gave birth. The child lived. Mm -hmm. Now, we know Jesus died. Mm -hmm. If you read this wrong, you could think, oh, so Satan did kill God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus just rose from the dead and that that beat Satan. But correct that thinking. Yeah, I mean I think just it's clear like that the the dragon does not kill the offspring that that the enemy does not kill God at any point, you know. And mm-hmm. um that is a really important Jesus says this my I like no one takes my life from me, That's right. but I lay it down of my yeah. own accord. How powerful. Cause you think he's talking to humans there and he is talking like a little bit to humans, but he's just right in Satan's face. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No one takes my life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's strong. Yeah. That makes the yeah. arm hair stand up. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. And he's the one to rule with the rod of iron. Like he's mm-hmm. the one that all of the prophecies have been about. Psalm two says you shall break them with a rod of iron or rule them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. That isn't the enemy. That isn't the dragon. That is Christ. And he's the one that's going to reign with that rod of iron. And I I looked up the word rule and the word rule means to shepherd. Mm. And I love that thought because when you think about ruling with a rod of iron, you get one picture in your head. When you think about shepherding, shepherding with a rod Mm. with vigilance to protect your flock, Mm -hmm. you get a different picture. Absolutely. And that's that's the Jesus who laid his own life down and picked his own life back up and rose again. Yep. He died to satisfy the wrath of God, mm-hmm. not because Satan put him to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Satan continues to get defeated here. I think that's what, what's happening. He can't stop the child uh, from happening, which he tried multiple times to end Israel. He couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. He, he couldn't stop Jesus. So what's he left to do? Well, we're about to see. Um, why don't we read seven all the way through 12? I can read it. (coughs) Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Let's let's back up. Let's do this passage backwards. We didn't talk about that before we started recording, but let's do this passage backwards. <laughs> so, uh, well, I'll put you on the spot. What this idea, verse 12, rejoice, O heavens, mm-hmm. and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, 
for the devil has come down to you in great wrath. He knows his time is short. Yeah. What do we, what do we learn about our enemy in this passage? And that just in that one verse, what do you, what do you see there? Uh, essentially just that he has, he's taken his aim off of the creator and gone to creation. Mm. And, um, that's good. That's well said. That is good. Like, I, I think that it, there's basically this acceptance uh, of, um, ultimate defeat. There's like, well, I'm going to screw everything up as it, well, essentially, you know, like he knows what is dear to the heart of God, which is his people and, and mm-hmm. all people made in his image that the Lord desires that none should perish. And so right. he's going to go and damage that inheritance as much as possible. He cannot approach the throne of God, but he can approach the thrones of earth. And so that is, yeah, that's ultimately, I think, what what we see here. Yeah, it is. It's it's scary. Last night I used the the reference to second um, was it Second Kings nineteen, I think it is, where um, one angel flies over. One angel mm-hmm. flies over, not Satan. You know, I don't think it's Michael. I think it's just like one angel flies over, kills eighty five thousand people just mm-hmm. flying over them. You got the angel that flew over in Exodus, kills all the firstborn. This this guy's like stronger than just a regular angel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he has a third of the angels with him. He can do some damage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should not get arrogant and think, oh, on my own, I can whoop that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, because we're, our number is six. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're perfectly human, perfectly fragile. Yeah. He's perfectly mm-hmm. bad and God is perfectly good. Mm-hmm. Like we just don't need to get overconfident thinking, ah, well, I could, I'm not going to fall prey to the devil. He's wrecked a lot of people mm-hmm. and yeah. he knows his time is short. So he's not taking naps. You know? mm-hmm. um, what do you think, Katie? Yeah. I was just thinking of the verse, like let anyone who stands take heed lest he fall. Mm-hmm. Like just the pride, like you were saying in ourselves to be able to, you know, resist mm-hmm. the devil or resist his schemes that we need to be relying fully on the blood of the lamb. That's right. And knowing that he is a vanquished foe, that he's been defeated so we can be brave. We don't have to live in a spirit of fear, but that isn't confidence in ourselves. It's only confidence in the Lord. A- Amen. Like we greater is he who is in us than he was in the world, but not, exactly. not greater is us than <laughs> exactly, the one who's yes. in the world. Greater is he who Good is in us mm-hmm. um, out of first John four there. So I'll paint the picture and then we'll get to the heart of these verses. So the picture that we get, John sees a flashback, a way flashback. There's not even humans at this point. He sees this flashback of Satan saying, I'm going to take over the throne of God. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't even get off his throne to go fight him. He's like, Michael, mm-hmm. yeah. get him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Michael and the angels defeat Satan. He's tossed down to earth, and that's where he's been roaming ever since. And that's why we're told he he also gets called a lion, right? Your enemy, the devil. Mm-hmm. It's like a roaring lion. Well, we know that, that Jesus is the lion mm-hmm. of the tribe of Judah, but mm-hmm. he's a, he, like, think about Lion King, right? Like, he's like Scar. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the other lion, and he's a bad lion who's out there. Uh, and so 
That is the name, right? That's the name of the yeah. bad uncle. Yeah. Scar. Yeah. <laughs> he's like Scar. He's the other lion. And he is roaming this earth looking to devour us. Not to just like get us in a little bit of trouble, but to devour mm. us. He hates that you and Jenna have a happy marriage. Mm. He hates that that Katie, you you left the corporate world to go into ministry. He hates that um, you know, I'm studying the Bible to try to to teach it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he hates he hates all these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, Heather and I have to watch our marriage. Uh, you have to watch your life in doctrine. Katie, you have to watch how you hang out with people as a single lady. Will, you have to watch yourself because you're young married. Like Satan's just trying to derail us all the time mm-hmm. in every way possible. Mm-hmm. But he's doing that all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's because he got thrown out of heaven. And it's like you said, Will, he's turned his, his attention to us. But yeah. then we get to the whole word of conquering mm-hmm. in verse 11 and 12. Will, read us, read us those two verses, or just read us verse 11 one more time. I'm sorry. And they've conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. So what's the recipe? What's the formula for being able to beat this terrible foe? Um. The word of their testimony, that they loved not their lives even unto death. That, mm-hmm. I think that's the litmus test, but I think the the formula and is. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the blood of the lamb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I, knew, I knew you knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking at the wrong cover. The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Yeah, and I think it, I think there's a a reason there's an order there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not he didn't just say and they beat him by the word of their testimony or mm-hmm. they beat him by the blood of the lamb. Yeah. Why do you think? John would hear this double deal, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Why do you think it would be those two things? It's not like something's added to salvation here, mm. but what do you, what do you think is the, the combo of these two? You know, like a, the sister word of testimony is testify. Yeah. And I think, so obviously the blood of the lamb is like the substance of salvation mm. But, you know, testimony implies like a personal encounter and experience. Mm-hmm. Like if you're looking for somebody to clean your gutters or like, you know, any sort of service, like on their website, they're going to have a page called testimonials. Yeah. And it's people who have encountered this business and have something positive to say about it, you know. And so yeah. it's it's not just that, you, you know. The blood of Christ is not, and this is where there are churches that have drifted into this belief that the blood of Christ blanket forgives all sin in the world. And so, and you know, like Christian universalism Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's actually the blood of Christ is available to all who call on him, Mm -hmm. but that testifying that, that testimony, that personal encounter uh, of faith is is in step with that salvation. Yeah. yeah. I think of James 2, like the faith without works yeah. being dead, probably often misunderstood, but I think it could correlate strongly here. You know, the, you have the blood of the lamb, but then you also have a testimony that shows you've encountered that. Mm-hmm. So you have a faith, but you have a saving faith that works have flowed yeah. from. I, th- I think that's excellent. I think combining what both of you are saying, 
the blood of the lamb is transformative. Yeah. And that's how that's I, good. that's how I know I've been covered in the blood of the lamb because I'm not who I used to be. Yeah. And when I slip back into who I used to be, there's conviction. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, why did I do that? I don't want to do that. Yeah. And so I seek forgiveness and I seek restitution and I seek those kinds of things because I'm like, no, 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 I've been changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I, I mean, I think about like one time I was struggling with some sin and I asked Heather about like, Hey, do you, you know, do you ever struggle with the old life or blah, blah. And she looked at me and said something I'll never forget. She said, why would I want to put Jesus back on the cross? Mm-hmm. She's like, my sins put him there and I don't want to go repeating them because it's, it's like I didn't, mm. it's like the first time didn't count or it didn't mean enough to me. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that like, it helps her stay like focused on following the Lord. And I think there's this, yeah this clear picture of the blood of the lamb gives me a word of testimony. Mm-hmm. And what's the ultimate word of testimony? He says it right here. Nothing matters more than God, even mm-hmm. my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. we're pulling trailers. I'm going to, I'm going to call him out cause he wasn't, he's not in here. So we were pulling trailers last night after we were done. And it was like three of us, four of us boys hanging out and, uh, and our very own Paul Johnson. Paul. Perfect Paul. Perfect Paul. <laughs> Excuse me for coughing so much. Um, perfect Paul. What a great guy. He wasn't even really looking at any of us, but he said, I mean, I know I would lay my life down for the Lord. Like, basically, what do I have that would compare to him? Mm. And perfect, Paul. I was going to say, a good, a good word from Paul. <laughs> I mean, I just think that's so fascinating that yeah. he, um, it was like, a, it was almost like he was by himself thinking out loud when he said mm-hmm. it. And it wasn't braggadocious. Mm-hmm. It was, well, as a changed person, God's changed my thinking. He's changed my views. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if that's the litmus test, I hope, I hope I pass it. Cause I don't, I think I would lay my life down for him. Mm-hmm. And then we know we can claim other scriptures like greater is he who is in us than he was in the world. Mm-hmm. Resist the devil and he will flee. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we don't have to be a victim to this great villain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The reason we don't have to be a victim to this great villain is because the one who is in us is the one he's never been able to defeat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He can pick on us. He beat us up. Sometimes God lets him do those things like in the book of Job, mm-hmm. ultimately mm-hmm. for God's glory and our sanctification. And, um, but I don't ever have to worry about the devil dragging me off to hell. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sealed, signed and delivered. Signed, sealed, oh, delivered. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Or sealed, signed, and delivered. All those things. <laughs> In whatever order you want to say. In whatever order. Delivered, sealed, sealed and, and signed. signed. Hey. We also, I just want to toss in one last cross-reference. Please. Before we finish this. And, and, and just cross-reference Katie. Side, That's side note, we could we could spend a long time doing oh, it because yeah. this is so rich. This is not new material. Mm. Oh my that goodness. We're, so many cross-references for each word almost. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm on the ESV website and it's like every every phrase has one of those little italic letters out mm-hmm. in front of it where and a lot of them have like two or three verses. So oh, yeah. it's really amazing. But this is not new. We see it in Daniel 12. Mm-hmm. The same exact thing play oh. out. And I'll just read it. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge 
of your people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was so beautiful. This is not new. No, we see this all throughout scripture. We're, we're getting the final revelation, the final unveiling of things that have already been partially unveiled here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what, what we see here is uh, God's people attacked after God himself was attacked. And now we start to see ourselves attacked. Um, and we didn't get into the 1260 days. That's three and a half years. That's where a lot of folks would say, um, some folks would say it's symbolic. Other folks would say, no, that's three and a half years of great tribulation, especially for the Jewish people. Um, and then this last section, verses 13 through 17, what we see is another recap of Satan is thrown down. He pursues Israel. And then after he can't get Israel because God protects him, he pursues the rest of the church. Mm -hmm. And there is a difference. He says, like, he's specifically attacking God's chosen people, but then God's, like, got a hand of protection on him. Verse 17, I'll end with this verse, or I'll, I'll read this verse last at least. Then the dragon became furious with the woman. That's the woman we saw in verse 1. And... <clears throat> went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. Well, all of us in Christ are the rest of her offspring. So the, the devil has gone off to make war. I always thought, <clears throat> I always thought the devil had gone off to make war on like all the pagans. <clears throat> He's gone off to make war against the church of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the reason we have 57,000 denominations. Like he has done a good job of making war on us. Yeah. <clears throat> and, to be clear, he says to make war on the rest of our offspring on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus as he stood on the sand of the sea. Mm -hmm. What do you think as we kind of draw, draw this thing to a close, what do you think about this idea of Satan's trying to make war on the church? Mm. Yeah. I, I think that this is just so under acknowledged and yet just mm -hmm. crucial like the 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 divisions that we face in in church and you know the the petty fights they're really not just like petty fights and you know whatever but it's spiritual warfare that's happening mm -hmm. and you know i i think one of the greatest temptations that believers will encounter in life is to have a low view of the church. Mm, that's a good word. More than pornography, more than alcohol or alcohol abuse or like drug abuse or whatever. Yeah. I think the the number one thing mm. that we are attacked with is the temptation to have a low view of the church because it's freaking easy too because <laughs> it's made up of a bunch of sinful people. Yeah. And, it, and the further in you get, the more sin you see. And... You know, and the the Bible, you know, like it's not like we're supposed to view the church as like this peachy, you know, utopian place. And we're supposed to like sweep that all aside. Mm -hmm. But we're supposed to lay down our lives and our preferences and fight for one another. And that is like simply the number one thing that the enemy is going to try to keep you from doing because if he can make you suspicious of the people that are in your small group or that 
you have accountability with or if, if if you can build up bitterness between you and your most trusted Christian friends mm-hmm. than anything else, any any sexual sin or or anxiety or you know any other acts of darkness are going to thrive because you don't trust the bride. That's right. Mm. That's really good. I think cross reference Katie. I was going to say cross reference Katie. I'm like flipping around over here. What a quote. Yeah. I'm looking over. I'm looking over so Will's, yeah. Will's shoulder. Katie's sitting behind him on yeah. a couch just and flipping. she's, yeah. she's just flipping around on that Bible there. That's not the There's sound of many. somebody like shuffling <laughs> yeah. a deck of cards. Yeah, that's, that's right. We are not in Vegas right now. Yeah. Yes. Not, yeah. Oh my goodness. I, well, I thought of Colossians three cross reference Katie. If yes. then you have been raised oh. with Christ, seek the things that are above mm. where Christ is seated mm. at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Mm. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Mm. I think just a word of encouragement, you know, realizing that there's going to be real spiritual warfare in the church that we know that this is true. We see it in revelation 12, that we need to seek the things that are above and we have to keep our minds set on Christ and his example of humility. Um, Like Will, you were saying just dying to ourselves every day mm. and knowing that it's going to be a daily battle. That's not going to be one mm-hmm. in our own strength, but that it truly has to be a daily, um, you know, seeking the things that are above where Christ is you yeah. know, seated at the right hand of God, meditating on heaven, meditating on, um, you know, just the fact that this life is but a mist and constantly thinking, you know, what are some lies that could be taking root that, the enemy could be planting. And I think all of that being done in the context of Christian community. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think I'm, I'm reminded of a conversation with a friend once where there was another friend who was kind of just like falling off the rails in a lot of ways and mm-hmm. just, um, uh, mainly just really falling away from the Lord and, and, um, but was like hurting a lot of people. Like it was like a bad situation with like a lot of, outward facing sin easy to make that guy like the bad guy mm-hmm. and I was talking to a friend about it and he used this phrase that like really stuck in my mind where he, he said like man the enemy is just really having his way in his with like this mm-hmm. guy's heart right now and I don't know just like that phrase where like it framed it not just of like oh man that guy's a turd like you know <laughs> but like this guy is losing the battle and kind of like giving himself over. Like it it gave me like a renewed sense of like a desire for like a jealousy for this guy's heart for the Mm -hmm. Lord, you know? And I don't know. And and it, it just changes everything when that is like your, the operating principle, you know? That's right. I think, I think maybe a good way to, as, as we conclude for today, maybe a good word, for all of us and for everybody who's listening would be, I think extra grace for the church and by the church, yeah. I mean the people in the church, mm-hmm. um, extra vigilance in we're going to love each other and call each other's hand when there's, when there's sin or when there's deviation from, you know, a start to a deviation from the truth. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to, we're going to lovingly be accountable. Um, but also prayer. Yeah. Yeah. I would just say, even as this podcast wraps up, maybe spend a minute or two praying for 
the people in your circle in the church, mm-hmm. praying for the staff in the church, um, praying for other churches. We're in a, a great war. Mm-hmm. There was a great war in heaven, and now there's a great war on earth. Yeah, The devil knows his time is short, but he's going to keep fighting until the Lord finally subdues him. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so that would be a request I would ask would be, hey, pray for us, pray for each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. And just remember, we... We're in this together, and as believers, we're going to spend eternity together. So, we ought to we ought to help each other now. Yeah, mm. follow the Lord and watch out for the wiles of Satan. Amen. A good word. Well, hey, uh, this has been a lot of fun. So glad we get to talk through this. Next week, we're going to jump into uh, some of those other chapters coming up. Maybe even talk about some horns. Will? Oh man! Yeah, come on, come on! But for uh, Will Carlisle and Katie Dickens, I am Thomas Nelson. Thanks for listening. <laughs>